Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. I am in John chapter number 7. John chapter number 7, verse 37. I appreciate the amens and hallelujahs. Uh, that's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's mine. And uh, I just, uh, I like to know that you're either with me or against me. John chapter 7, verse 37, if you found that, shout amen. amen. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, I thank you for the day and the place. God, what a place you've given us for worship. What a place you've given us, God, for, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What a place you've given us, God, and a people that come and are faithful to the house of God. We pray that you would bless this word today for your glory. I'm asking you, Lord, to fill my mouth and guard my tongue. I pray everything that's said and done <clears throat> would be to the glory of the King. I'm asking you to help me, God. I can't do a thing without you, but I can do all things through you. If there be a lost one today, God, I pray you fill them up. I pray you save their souls. And God, I pray that you'd give them a drink today. There's a Christian here today that's cold, indifferent, or dried up on you. I pray, God, that they would come and get a drink of water and be refreshed and restored. Bless this word. Help me with it, Lord. God, I've, I've, I've sought you. I've spent time with you. I'm praying you'll bless this for your glory. I ask it in my king's name, Jesus. Amen. And Amen. I want to try to preach on this thought today the Lord gave me down when I was in Alabama in revival last week. He gave me a thought on holy hydration. Holy hydration. Now you will make more sense momentarily. We see that this is the day, the last day, the great day of the feast. I've been chewing on the feast. I thought I was going to do a series on them. I may go back, I may do one, I don't know. <clears throat> but this is, my heart this morning is up on this, the last, so I'm going, I'm, I'm jumping forward, I'm going to the last feast. The last feast would be the Feast of Tabernacles. Brother Branch touched on this in Sunday school this morning. There's three feasts that the Jewish male had to attend annually to keep the law to be right, it, with the law, he had to keep three feasts annually in Jerusalem. 
One was this, it was the Passover. We spoke of that this morning in Sunday school. Number two was the Feast of Pentecost. It hadn't come as of yet, but it was on its way. 50 days after the resurrection of the Lord Christ, Pentecost came and the Holy Ghost was poured out according to the prophet Joel. But the last one that was kept and the one that ended the year of feast was the Feast of Tabernacles. In the seventh month, now some argue it to be September, others October, because the Jewish calendar only had 30 days in the month. But some, whichever, it was the seventh month and on the 15th day, of the seventh month was gonna begin the Feast of Tabernacles. Now this feast was to represent God bringing them, redeeming them, pulling them out of Egypt and bringing them through the wilderness into the promised land. And it was a 40 year, shouldn't have been that long, but it was because of the unbelief of the people. And they camped out in booths or in tabernacles, if you would. And so it was to represent that. But this tabernacle feast was this. It was given, it was given on these days and they would bring them in. Now, all the males coming into Jerusalem, you'll find this as a command of God in Leviticus 23 and 34. But you'll also see it, you'll see it resumed in Nehemiah chapter eight. In Nehemiah, the Lord, they had been in captivity. So when they were in captivity, they weren't keeping the feast. But Nehemiah saw that they needed to keep the feast of tabernacles and they resumed keeping that feast. Here's something for Bible scholars. But in the prophet Zechariah, we learn this, that in the, in the kingdom, when the millennial reign of Christ comes, all those that survived, the Bible said all nations are gonna keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So we're gonna look back in, in, in Leviticus, they're looking ahead in, in Nehemiah, they're resuming, but in the time of the kingdom, we're gonna be looking back at the Feast of Tabernacles to be reminded who it was and what he done for the people of God. I'm telling you, this old tabernacle I'm living in right now, one of these days I'm gonna fold this tent up and I'm stepping off into glory. I'm telling you, and it looks sweeter every day. I want you to know there's nothing to be afraid of if you be a child of God. This tent is not permanent, it is but temporary. But we are the temple of God and this outside tabernacle's gonna perish and the inside temple's gonna come out and the ever temple, the forever temple will be in the presence of God. What's that got to do with Jesus standing here? I'm about to tell you. So it is the last of the days of this. Now, in the time of the Maccabees, I'm not gonna get into all this stuff and I don't know it all just to be honest, but I am a little familiar with it. There were some things changed in the feast. They added to some things which you can't find God reprimanding them for that. And they may, could have been, there could have been an eighth day. 
the pulpit commentary believes that there was an eighth day. This would be, but eight being the number of new beginnings, I'm thinking that could be a possibility. I would not argue that with him. But I'm gonna try to set something up right here and preach on holy hydration. And I want you to think about this. In the day of the feast, here's what they would do. The priest would take his long white robe and he would go fill up the golden pitcher or vase or barrel or bucket or whatever you want to call it. It was an, it was an instrument that would hold water. He would fill this up and as they walked in, they would be singing songs on the Temple Mount. Now understand this, the Feast of Tabernacles was party time. The others was times of seriousness and sacrifice and burnt offerings and these But I'm telling you, they're about to have a time when the Feast of Tabernacles occur. It is the feast that is ending the feast of the year. In other words, Jesus is within about six months of going to Passover from this time. October, November, December, January, February, March, April. He's about six months from Calvary right here. So they're having this ending feast and they are having a time. It's like camp meeting Hebrew style. They're up on the Temple Mount and these, he collects the water from the pool of Siloam. He collects that water and he walks up on that Temple Mount and there is the altar and he takes that water and he pours that water out on the altar and as he pours it out on the altar, they break into singing one of the Psalms from about 113 to 118. They break into song and they're letting the hallelujahs roll. And the Bible said, or, or the, 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 the historian said that in this they would begin to dance and twirl. It looked like jumping Joe at camp meeting. They're having a time, they're singing songs, some is dancing, they're waving palm limbs and willow limbs, reminding of the tabernacles that they stayed in out in the wilderness. And I mean, it's, it's hallelujah time. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they stopped the singing at the, last, at the last day. And the priest is there. J. Vernon McGee said he believed Christ was standing in water ankle deep. These was large vessels they was pouring out. I'm gonna get into what that represented in just a moment. And they'd take that water and they're pouring it out on that altar and all the men, all the males are in one place, the women's in another place. Listen, don't get mad at me, girls. God set it up, take it up with him. And there they are in one place, the men's in another place, and that water is running down. But just when the water's poured out and just before the next song, there's a time of silence. And the priest is standing there and the water's been poured out. Whether this be the seventh or the eighth day is really of no consequence. But here's when the water is poured out, Here's what the old writers said. There was a pause. How many knows in music, the pause is as important as the note? And they poured this water out and the Lord Christ steps up. And here's what he says. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He interrupts the whole show. Who is this man? Why? Who gives him the right to say he can give you a drink of water? All the priests, no doubt, upset. 
He's upset the apple cart. Listen, they don't like racket like this. He's wet. His feet could have been wet standing in that water that had been poured out upon that altar. And he's crying right when they're supposed to be waiting on the songs to start. God Almighty shouts out from the lips of his son, if you're thirsty, come and get a drink. And some come. And they got wholly hydrated. You know what? I, listen, I'm, I'm going in a place or two with this. God gave me a different scripture this morning. I'd get, I mean, I have a beautiful outline made here. And he said, that was all my introduction, so I wouldn't forget anything. But he reminded me of someone. Because see, the opposite of being wholly hydrated is being dehydrated. And in dehydration, it is a serious matter to become dehydrated. Now, it's a serious matter physically to become dehydrated, but it's more of a serious matter spiritually to become dehydrated. There's some symptoms to dehydration. I don't know if I'll cover them or not, but I'm gonna tell you a story now from 1 Kings when, when the, a prophet Elijah has just won a great victory over the prophets of Baal. God has come down, this man's prayed the fire down, and I mean they've slain 450 of the prophets. They've cut them guys to shreds. God's consumed the sacrifice, licked up the dust. Everybody on the hill said the Lord is God, fell down and began to worship Jehovah. But there's one woman up at the king's place that said, I'm going to kill that guy that's caused me all this trouble. He's going to be like, you send a message to Elijah and tell him he's going to be like one of these other prophets by this time tomorrow. You know what I got to think about Tom Polson? That's just like us. God gave us great camp meeting. It's hallelujah land. If you, it, look, if you got upset, got mad, didn't want to get none of it, he won't make you take it. But if you got in here, caught COVID with everybody else and rejoiced and shouted hallelujah to Jesus, he just blessed your socks off. But after a great victory, oftentimes comes a great defeat. It is not God, it is not God where the problem lies. It's in the flesh. You know what happens? You know what happens? Let's look at Elijah. You know what happened to him? He was dehydrated. It was a time, it was a time of, of, of when they had had a famine due to no rain. I mean, God had said through the mouth of the prophet, it's not going to rain. It didn't rain. And you know what he had had them do? Took 12 barrels of water and poured on that sacrifice. The thing that was at a premium at that time and it'd be like buying high-tech gas today. The thing that was at a premium that day, they'd poured 12 buckets out upon that. And God licked it all up. And Elijah, when he went and he sat on the mountain, he looked toward the sea, and he told his servant, he said, now go look. Stay with me just a little while right here. Don't go to sleep yet. 
Told his servant, said, go look. He come back and he said, I don't say a thing. Now, Elijah wasn't free will Baptist or he'd have said, I knew it. I knew it. Do something big and good for God and here's what you get. Elijah said, go again. Don't you quit going. Don't you quit going. You keep looking. If that promise is in this holy writ right here, by the authority of the word of God, you can take her to the bank. You can throw everything else away. And when God said, I'm gonna send the rain, he told the the young servant, he said, go look again. He went and looked, he come back. How many times did he do that? Seven. Seven, thank you, A plus. Seven times he went and looked up there and when he come back that time, here's what he told him. He said, you see anything? He said, I see a cloud like a man, like a man's hand. Can I, may I today suggest that that hand that he saw was the same thing that scooped the oceans out, formed the mountains, set the sun, made the moon, grows the grass, saved our wretched soul because it hung on Calvary. He saw a hand, a cloud like a man's hand. He said, you better get ready. It's about to rain. Can I tell you, if you want a drink, if you want to get hydrated today, you can have a drink. Because I'm going to tell you, the rain's already come. And the cistern is full. And the river's running. But he won't make you drink it. He'll let you sit there and dry up on the post if you want to do it. And you know what? Oh, I'm saved. Yeah, you'll die saved. Here's what you'll be. You'll be embarrassed when you stand before him. John said it like this, that we wouldn't be ashamed at his appearing. Elijah takes off running when he hears the news from the woman. And I never got this, Brother Wade, till this morning I got this. He took off running and he goes a day's journey. He goes, he goes into to Beersheba. Now, when he reached Beersheba, you know what that word means? Well of the oath. You know what that means? Everything he needed was at Beersheba. The water he needed, the well of the oath. You think God, God's fed him, God's fed him from the ravens and gave him water from the brook. Then he fed him at the widow's house and he's took care of him all this time. And now all of a sudden he gets to Beersheba and he knows what Beersheba means. It means the well of oath. The well's still there. All he needs to do is drink from the well, but you know what he done. Because he's just like this hillbilly preacher. You know what he done? He left the servant at the well and run off into the wilderness. Somebody in this room today is in the wilderness. The well was there. The well is there. Nobody will ever do away with the well. Praise God, when Jesus died on Calvary and the blood and the water came forth, the river's still running today. You can have a drink of the water. It is a picture of the Holy Ghost and you can drink your fall today. But he won't make you drink it. Where do you get that idea? From Elijah. If that prophet had just stayed there at the well, he'd have been all right. But he ran off into the wilderness.
a day's journey. Now, now he's in a dry, desolate place and he's all alone. I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest assets God can ever give you is a friend who will check you when you're wrong. That's one of the greatest things, a gift that God can ever give you, somebody that cares enough about you to check you when you're wrong. Don't let you just keep rolling along with that. Say, hold, I, I got a, there's a problem here. I don't, the word says that's a problem. Need a little drink of water. And there he is, when he runs off, here's what he does. Here's what he does. He gets down there into a place and he says, God, kill me. Well, if he wanted to die, why didn't he just step there with, with Jezebel and let her kill him? He don't want her to kill him. He thinks God will do it easy. I guess just kill him in his sleep. That's what we all want, ain't it? Just doze off to sleep and wake up in heaven. Just kill me. No. And he crawled up. Jack Lester's got an excellent message on the juniper tree. I may, Jack's never going to preach it again. He's in heaven, so I may resurrect that and give him credit for every bit of it. And he crawled up under the juniper tree and he went to sleep. You under the tree today? Crawls up under the tree. You know what God does? He ain't through with him. You know how I know? Because he sends him two things. You know what he sends him? Bread and water. The very thing that's been keeping him alive, bread and water, he keeps, sends him bread and water and taps him on the shoulder and said, wake up. Wake up. Are you sitting here today? God's going... Wake up. Wake up. Say, I don't get dried out, preacher. No, friend. Friend. The preacher gets dried out all the time. He gets dried out. What do you do? I go, <laughs> I go to the well. I go to the water. When I'm laying there under the juniper tree asleep on God, are you asleep? And he just says, wake up. And you know what I find when I wake up? On the coal of fire, the bread, praise God, the word of God, which we are washed by, and a cruise of water to get a drink. And he gets up and he gets a drink, and, you know what and he goes back to sleep. Isn't that just like the flesh? You satisfy the flesh, it'll take a nap on you. I'll just take a nap. I've wore myself out. I am so tired. I have to tell myself when I get up in the morning, you're not tired, you're not tired, get up. Do you know what God does? Wake up. Wake up, you know what he found? More bread, more water. You better take some more because this journey's too long for you. You know what he's saying to us? 
you can't do it without me. You got to have me to make the journey. Do you need a drink? And the Bible said, the Bible said he went on that meat for 40 days. He just takes off. He winds up in the cave. He's in the cave now. And God said, what are you doing here? He said, I've been jealous for you, Lord. I'm just going to come up here and die in the cave. And God said, I'm going to tell you something. He sends the fire, the earthquake, and the great wind that could rend rocks. And the Bible said he wasn't in none of that, but he come by. He said, what doest thou here, Elijah? You know what he says to us when we get in that dry place? What are you doing here? Why are you here? Now the devil will remind you all the reasons why you're there. He'll say, you're here because of that. Most of the time we like to raise our hand and say, that's right, I'm guilty. God said, don't stay here. I ain't done with you yet. I'd, if, I, <laughs> if I'd have been done with you, I'd let that crazy woman kill you. If I'd have been done with you, you'd have never made it into the wilderness. If I'd have been done with you, I'd have never sent you the bread and the water. Hey, if I'd have been done with you, I'd have left you sleeping. But I'm not done with you. Get out of the cave and take the water of life freely and keep on drinking. I don't have to do that, preacher. No, you don't have to. The water regenerates. The Bible's very plain on this. Romans 8 and 9 said, If you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of his. This water is a picture of the Holy Ghost. Water that you drink in the Word of God is a, typifies the Spirit of God. Water that washes you typifies the word and water that you walk on, sail on, pass through typifies the world. This water is a drink of water. It's the Spirit of God. Say, well, I got saved and I got the Spirit of God. That's exactly right. When you, the only way you can be saved, you're baptized by one Spirit into one body. The Holy Ghost comes, draws us, woos us. As Brother Randall spoke about in the singing, he draws us out. Sometimes that drawing process can be kind of uncomfortable. And he draws us, woos us out, and by the Spirit of God, we are regenerated. We are taken from the fleshly body. We are dead and trespass and sin and put into the living body of Christ. Now, we are still in this flesh, but this flesh is not to rule us. We all stumble and carry on in this flesh. My problem is Mike McCoy. It's not you. It's not Randy. It's not any other person. If you think the problem is some other person, you need to get in front of the mirror and call out to God till he shows you the problem. Problems in the mirror. And that water, that spirit regenerates us. David said it like this. It not only regenerates, but it restores. David said in Psalm 51, who had got in a mess. And that'll drive you out. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Just restore that joy to me. Why? Because the joy of the Lord's your strength. 
When you've got joy, you're strong. Without the joy of the Lord, there's no strength there. But when you're joyful in God, I'm telling you, let the storm winds blow. Let whatever come our way, it'll be all right. I'm walking in the spirit of God, walking in the spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm excited about it. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. It regenerates and it restores. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about dehydration. Just like Elijah laying under the juniper tree, most people don't have the realization that they're dehydrated. This, I got, this thing spawned when Randy said he went to give blood and the guy in the, uh, that was drawing the blood looked at him and said, you're dehydrated. And he said, no, I'm not. The bell went ding, 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 ding. You're a welder, I ain't going to ask you. You have to drink a lot, you'd pass out. Do you drink five or six bottles of water a day? And be honest, how many people in here? How many people in here say, I drink six bottles of water a day? I'd say Jake does. There's about five of you. You know what that says about the rest of us, don't you? Dehydrated. But I don't feel dehydrated. Oh, there we go. Now I don't feel dehydrated, but we are. They say, my study said this, two groups of people are most affected by dehydration. One is infants and the other's elderly. The people in the middle can get by with it a little longer than the infants and the elderly. With infants, here's the first thing that goes missing as a sign or a symptom of dehydration, tears. They cry without tears. If we sow in tears, we'll reap in joy, A+. plus. One of the first signs of dehydration, tears go away. Here's another thing they said about, about the elderly. You know what the first thing in it shows up? Fatigue. I'm just too tired to do it. We're drinking sweet tea, eating supper, looking good. Had three cups of coffee for breakfast. Ta-da! Good to go. Good to go. No. No, that's a good chance. There's a good chance you're dehydrated. Now, the Holy Ghost got to dealing with me. He said, how much you drinking? How much you drinking? Now, I'm off the natural now. Because no tears and fatigue is one thing. But you'll quit thinking, right? You'll quit thinking, right? And show up on your face. Dehydration show up on your face. It's hard to do this. And it's real easy to do this. Because it does that on its own. Just does that. So if you're sitting here doing this to me this morning, I already know you dehydrated. You need to drink real bad. But you can't have my water. 
You can't have my water. This is mine. Though I did drink Michael's last night at practice. I apologize for it too. He's got a drink for you. He's got a drink for anybody. He said this, if you're thirsty, you come to me and I'll give you a drink. You need a drink? Yeah, but I don't think I need a drink. You know what? That's when we probably need one the most. I don't need a drink, do you? If you've never tasted of the water of Christ, the Spirit of God, you've never been saved. If you have not the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. That's plain. That's plain. And they all drank of that spiritual rock, and that rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. They all drank of that spiritual rock. Now, that's the children of Israel. We are the body of Christ. We're the bride, the church. But we get a drink. We got a drink to ever get into the body. But a big problem is we just don't realize that we're as dried out as we really are. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm not picking on Sister Jewel, but this confirmed my message last night. Michael, Mark, and myself come in, and Sister Jewel sat down on the peak. And here's what she said. I'm going to take your word, Jewel. She said, I'm dried plumb out. And the Lord said... That's holy jewel there. And she's saying she's dried out. I mean, she plays piano for us, sings. The mother of Roland Kesterson. Dried out. I felt dried out this week. I threw everything but the kitchen sink at them and nobody would come to the altar except one visiting pastor. Now, they may not have needed to come. I don't know. But we feel like, we felt, you feel like I've done the best I can and nothing happened. I know the word doesn't return void. Don't get me wrong, I understand that. And I'm not responsible of what happens. I'm just responsible to sow the seed. The responsibility lies in the lap of the Holy Ghost and he knows what he's doing. I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of times I don't know. But I just want to drink. I just want to sit down. I sat down in here this morning and y'all were shouting and saying amen. Noise in the house of God rejoices this preacher. Silent scares me to death. Why is that? Because it's quiet in the graveyard. Yes. But even the farm wakes up about crack of dawn. You start hearing noises, something come to life. Them crazy wrens like to get right outside my window. You won't sleep past 5.30 at my house. They can get loud about 5.30. They're happy to be alive. You know what they're not? They're not dehydrating. I don't like this message, preacher. I don't like it myself. God showed me some things through this. You're not drinking enough. God, I'm preaching about it every night. I mean, hey, look. Fall has taken off. 
the schedules. There's a lot of places to be. But you know what will dry you out? Work. When you come home from work, do you jump, run outside, run around the house about five or six times going, Whoopee! Home! Oh! Glad to be home! It's been a great day! Josh does if it's been eating Sudafed, but other than that, he comes in and sits down. We come in and we find that chair. It's got our name on it. The remote control's right beside us. It's caused a lot of divorces. Unless you each got your own remote. And there we sit. And we get us something to drink, but we might not be drinking the right thing. I ain't talking about Budweiser or Jack Daniels or something. I'm talking about sweet tea, so sweet you could use it for syrup on pancakes. See, I knew I'd get Dennis. You got him out there. You know what we do? Unintentionally. We didn't wake up this morning and say, I'm going to drive on God. No, those circumstances, situations come our way. Something come our way, something come up. This, is, this family right here, if sickness will drive you out. Uh, Gordon's got to be about done with the COVID thing. Glad to see Mike back today. Where'd you go? I lost him. He's in here somewhere. There he is. I'm just saying things come our way. They dry us out. You know what my king says? He's still standing. (laughs) My king's still standing up. Glory to God. So he don't stand up. Oh, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but he stood up for Stephen, and I found where he's no respect for a person. I said, if we get to yelling pretty bad, we need a drink. He might just stand up and say, take a drink of me. Hallelujah. Come piano, Joe. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.